Good Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to the Blue Water Climate Control VolQuest.com podcast. Glad to have you along with us on this Tuesday. Again, check out our friends at BlueWaterClimateControl.com or you can find them on Twitter at BlueH2O underscore climate. With Austin Price, Jesse Simonton, and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubs. Glad to have you along with us. Several things to jump into uh, in this Tuesday edition of the podcast. Of course, it's a dead period in recruiting. Can't be on the road. Uh, prospects can't be on campus, so it's been pretty quiet there. We'll hit a couple of recruiting things uh, a little bit later in the podcast. Certainly going to talk a lot of hoops in the podcast as well. But I want to, I want to dive into this idea and this, this thought process. The ACC has come out and endorsed the Big Ten's proposal for the one-time transfer. No questions asked. You can transfer one time. Um, and, and you know you're eligible immediately and that type of thing. It's expected that other conferences will likely follow suit. So this measure at some point is going to pass. So on the surface of that, we've talked about it a little bit before, but as it moves closer to getting passed, you favor that move, not favor, you think it's complete free agency and total anarchy to college sports. What do you think is the after effects whenever this thing goes into play? I mean, I totally favor it. I mean, just, I mean, I mean, they're kids. I mean, that means it's been treated. I mean, the rule, I mean, I think it's archaic, personally. I mean, I mean, they're, I mean, and maybe it's the fact that and you might, you, maybe you agree or see it the same way. Maybe it's because I have teenage kids that are getting ready to go to college. I mean, why, why shouldn't these guys be able to leave and, and go somewhere else? It just, I, I mean, it just seems commonsensical to me. Well, yeah, the, I mean, I, I can see fans getting upset when, you know, if a kid goes to a rival school. But if you, if you go somewhere and you don't like it and work out, why should you not be able to leave? And the ball's been rolling downhill. Oh yeah, for, it's for, been coming for for a good little while now, and I think when the Big Ten was the first major conference to to put out a a year ago a year ago to put out their uh, proposal that anyone could transfer within their conference, well, that immediately if if and when that passes becomes a recruiting advantage that the ACC is like, well, we don't want to lose to that, so eventually that's going to trickle down to the SEC. Uh, I think it's good for the kids, and so I'm all for it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I definitely think it's good for the kids, and I think it's smart on the 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 the, the conferences like the Pac-10, the Big 12, the Big 10 to push. Hey, let's let's do this one-time transfer. Then it's easy to sell in recruiting. Look, you come here, we're a great option for you. If not, you can automatically transfer. Yeah. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like it, and, and then you get them there, and you hope that they. You, you sell yourself enough to keep them there. And how about the concept of it? Has anybody ever made a bad decision as an 18-year-old? <laughs> <laughs> maybe, you know? maybe. 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 Know, perhaps. <laughs> you know, it, it's got to be – whatever. I mean, it can't be on an individual conference deal. It's going to have to be a, an NCAA rule. There's right. no way you could just say individually con- individual conferences doing this or that. Because They're just trying it, to put pressure on the NCAA sure they right now. And, and and they got the ACC to go with them, and I think they'll get, get other schools to go with, with them. And I think in light of the Mel Tucker story, which, again, could it have been handled differently? Uh, if anybody's read the, the Sports Illustrated story, should he have gone to the donor meeting and talked about buff for life and then two hours later taken the job? Probably not. But does anybody ultimately blame him for bettering his situation? No. I mean, double, Colorado double. people can be upset all they want to be, and I, I get that. That's part of fandom. Double your salary? And double the salary pool. Double, yeah. It's, and he had just lost one of his – the guy he believed one of his best assistants because he couldn't financially match. It's a, it's a, it's a, here, here's, here's the unequivocal truth that we know is going to happen if and when this passes. Much like the early signing period, which many coaches advocated for and now can't stand <laughs> – 
what, whatever happens with this rule, there's going to be snickering behind the scenes of, well, we should have done this. The, like the, the, sure. the coaches are always, I think, going to have an issue with it. But I think it's it's by time that the players, you know, gain a little power and have a little agency or more agency in how their careers play out. Yeah, more, more control. But I think that you have to really – and, again, how do you do this? How do you police – the tampering, because I think tampering. I mean, it already yes. goes on now. Yes. But I think that 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 when you open that Pandora's box, it the the tampering will be. Like whoo. you recruited a kid, you finished second. He goes, you know, he, he goes, he's running second he, team yeah, with exactly. somebody, he and all of a sudden you're like, he's running, he's running, he's running third team, not playing like you know, ring ring. Hey, you, you know, so and so is graduating. You'd be you'll you'll be starting here in spring practice. Well, yeah, that that's going to happen. But, I mean, but, but is that the worst thing? I mean, it's not criminal. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it's just well, it's, I mean, it's just one more thing the, to deal the, with. Well, but the idea that coaches aren't talking to continue yeah. to talk to guys now is, you know, is crazy. I mean, it, look, when a guy goes into the transfer portal and he already knows where he's going to go to school, you don't think he's talked to that school before he goes into the transfer and, portal? And, and I really think it's, I think it's, you know, I think it's probably worse than basketball. I mean, we're talking about football for the most part right now, but I mean, the way the grad transfer stuff has been happening in basketball lately, I think that, I mean, I, I think that's an unwritten story that nobody's gotten a hold of yet is how much recruiting goes on for a guy like, he's, he's the kid at Ken, Kentucky right now, Sistema. I mean, he's not great, but I mean, like everybody knew last year here's he was th- going to be a grad Here's transfer. the thing too that I don't think a lot of folks realize. If you're the best damn track and field athlete in the country, and you go to school X and decide, you know what, I'm done. I want to go to school Y. You can go up and go to school Y. There's no penalty for that. Right. You can just li- you can you can do it once. Right. Can't same do it twice. in volleyball. Same in volleyball. Same in softball. So the rule same is in there. It's it is literally like the... only for four sports. I think it's really only for baseball, basketball, football, and then it's like a weird one. It might be wrestling or it's like there's a weird, there's one weird one uh, that you that you can't do the transfer for uh, for. But every other D1 sport. If you're the best at that sport and you're recruited, now again, no, those recruitment, they're not making those signatures on national television. I get there's a you know, bit of a disconnect there, but they're allowed to up and leave. Why should a football player or a basketball player or a baseball player be any different? They shouldn't be. I mean, and they're kids. I mean, because they're on TV and because they're – I mean, it's ice hockey, by the way. Ice hockey. I knew it was a weird it's one. Hockey is I knew it was a weird one. one. I knew it's it was just the one, one that you cannot transfer and be eligible yeah. immediately. I, I, knew was, I knew it was – John Painter, shout out <laughs> on the ice hockey So mission. there you go. You got, you got hockey, you got football, you got men's basketball, and, and you got women's basketball, and you got baseball. Frozen so that's what That's what you're doing. So let me, let me ask it this way, then. For, for, and the reason I brought this topic up, if this is coming down the pike sooner rather than later, and you're the NCAA, how do you handle transfers on the, on the front end before the rule goes into place, the Cade mazes of the world? If you think this rule's got a chance to be in place in the next year, does it change the NCAA's stance? Do they rubber stamp transfers more so That's a good question. The, for, over the next year because everybody knows, hey, the inevitable is going to happen anyway? I mean, do you, they do that? Don't you think they look silly if they don't? I mean, if I'm, they, I'm asking the question. I mean, if they're sitting there, they're right. not worried about. They haven't, they haven't worried about looking silly for <laughs> yeah, 50 right. years. So. That's a, that's I think what I think. Point, point well there. I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen in that regard, but I do think what's going to happen. My, my early prediction would be the coaches are going to very strongly advocate that whenever this rule passes, 
that you get rid of the 25 and you're allowed, it's just a hard cap at 85 because there's the ro- the that. rosters are going to be so wonky Ooh, at times. That's an interesting thought. And so this is I my, my prediction that. is that you're going to if they pass this transfer rule, you're going to have a hard cap at 85. But you know what? Some years you may have to sign 29 guys. But how much does that open coaches up for the ability to truly cut kids? Well, I because because look, you've had that notion out there, but you kind of limited that because you can't cut a kid and oversign because of the 25 rule. If you take away the 25 rule, how much does that allow a coach to come in and say, you five, you've been here a year and a half, two years, you can't play for us, you got to go? Well, I, 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 I wouldn't deny that that would be something that uh, would come back into the equation. And, and, you know, it would be, again, it would be the opposite side of the player agency. The coaches would then kind of regain some power. But I think for the, for the coaches to want to, to sign off on this, I think they, they'll say this is an equitable situation uh, or else – we may only have 73 guys. Or do you take it up to 30 and 85 to leave you a little bit capped there? Do you, do you, you know what I'm saying? Do you meet a little common ground as opposed to taking away the, the total number of 25 and put yourself in a situation where you could sign 35, 40 kids and completely flip your roster in one year? Because he, here's the thing, and I think it's a fascinating discussion. With the way that the 25 and the, and you, the fact you can't oversign the way you could five years ago, three, even – you know, three years ago, but certainly five years ago, for a new coach coming in, it makes a roster flip hard. And new coaches don't have the leash now that they had five years ago when they were a new coach. Now they want it done because of the Kirby Smarts and because of the, the coaches out there that have won big in year two. There's an expectation there, but you can't flip your roster by signing 30-plus kids. We talked about this not too long ago on the podcast. Just you go back to when Jeremy was hired – that was the first year, the first, the early signing period could no longer, you know, you had the cap at 25, you know, it could just have carte blanche to try to flip. Look at all the coaches that, are, you know, that came in at the same time Jeremy did that are no longer in their position. I mean, there's a reason for that. You, you, it's just because the leash is shorter, the the opportunity to try to get quality players when you, you get the job and 10 days later you got to try to sign a class. So you either sign the guys that the previous staff that got fired had committed, you probably ain't going to agree with those evaluations because everybody wants to sign, quote, their guys. You know, I mean, it just it, it makes things hard. And, and Jesse brought up the point. That's why people have, you know, found a way to promote when there's had to be a change because, you know, it just it keeps the continuity. Yeah, I think you're. It, it's harder now. It's like a combination of all those things, yeah. you know. It's made it harder for a new coach to cut, for a new coach taking a job. Yeah. It's, it's made it much more difficult. So I just thought it was a fascinating um, look at potential changes. And, Jesse, I had not thought about the, the lifting of the 25. But you're right. Coaches are going to – and, Rob, you know this as well. You've talked to coaches that all of us have for 25 years. They're okay with a new NCAA rule, but their first thought is, what do I get out of it? Like, sure. how can it help me somewhere along the way? That's one of the things – if you're a coach moving around, you realize how hard it is. You want, you want some protection against that 25 number, if you will. Yep. Um, so, and there should be. You know, I mean, you shouldn't. I mean, you shouldn't get penalized or get a bonus. You know, either way. I mean, there's no there, there's no reason for it to be punitive, in my opinion. Well, and, and again, I mean, the emergence, even without the one-time transfer immediate eligibility, with the fact that kids are hiring lawyers, seeking waivers, and we've talked about this for several weeks, you you got to protect yourself. You got to have a spot available for you. 
against that 25. You better not get to 25 because there may be a difference maker out there that you just don't think you can pass up on, which is why you're almost working off a number like 23 now. And, and again, the fact that a kid, a 20-year-old a, a kid, his family needs to hire a lawyer because he wants to go somewhere else and play college football, I mean, that's kind of ridiculous you know, if, you, if you take a step back and look at it. But that's where we. I know, to, I know, to, to I get, know. But, to get uh, eligible, it almost feel. I, I mean, to I, guarantee, almost guarantee your eligibility, it, it seems oh, like that's I mean, a, a, I completely, almost a must. Completely get it, but just if you take a step back and you know, just you say a chemistry major, you know, wants to, you know, <laughs> you know, go from Cal to Stanford, and you know, to think that his his parents would have to hire an attorney and and go to court and, and fight a battle. I mean, it's just, it, it's kind of ludicrous on the face of it. If you, if you take a step back, oh, I don't disagree. You know, there's no chemistry test on TV. I understand that. <laughs> right. And then there's no money involved with the chemistry test. I mean, you know, it's, it's apples and oranges in that, in that way. Um, but you know, the restriction of freedom is, is, and to move around is, is obviously on the forefront when you talk about, um, making things better for the student athlete out there. All right, let's, let's talk a little football right quick. Jesse, your story, on the wide receiver production, I thought was pretty fascinating. Um, I'll admit I was surprised at the analytics at how significant losing receivers meant production at the receiver position, not just losing a receiver, losing productive receivers, how hard it was to replicate that same offense the next year. I was gobsmacked. I mean, I, really, I, I was I didn't surprised. See I because cause here's where I come from. And, and again, I know the NFL is different. So it's hard to compare the NFL to the college game. But I look at a guy like Tom Brady, and he's had a bunch of dude, just kind of guys running around at receiver, yet they're throwing for a gazillion yards and a gazillion touchdowns and still have a chance to win. I, I look at a guy like Peyton Manning. I mean, has Denarius Thomas done anything since Peyton Manning retired? How much money? I mean, and, I mean I, what, what about the Decker kid well, well, that and, went and, to the Jets? Great, I mean, has he made anything since? Great guy. Don't mean this in a bad way, but how much money did, did Peyton make Joey Kent? Or sure. Marcus Nash. Right. <laughs> yeah. So so my feeling was it was all quarterback. Down. Now, I think we'll all agree, everybody acknowledges, receiver production, not receiver production. Tennessee has to play better at the quarterback position. That's a, that's a, that is a low-hanging fruit bar standard that has to be raised, right? That's right. Absolutely. Okay. But were you surprised at, at the analytics, the way it looked out, the way, the way it showed up, the way it did when you did your research? Uh. No, I mean, I had not done the ten the research via Tennessee. I, I had – this is something that had been on my mind because I had followed it the last couple seasons. Conley's been kind of tracking this as, he's got, as he has uh, looked at the data where ultimately wide receiver production, returning wide receiver production and a returning quarterback basically weighs equally. It basically weighs to about 32% when you break down – uh, the returning the returning production for each. So the fact that Tennessee lost such a significant amount, how did that rate historically with the last 10 years of Tennessee? Well, it's second most in a decade, and I think the group that Tennessee lost, we'll see how they perform in the NFL, but it's not too dissimilar from what happened in 2012. Now, obviously, the difference is Bray also left. Garantano comes back. Can Tennessee, and that's the, the, the thesis of the piece. I understand that some people raise some like, well, you know, what about a different coordinator or a different? Obviously, there's variables, sure. you know, in the equation, and some of those seasons. Nothing is people, absolute. Yeah, nothing's absolute, and people raised uh, legitimate uh, questions or like, 
one of the years, technically, Pig Howard came back, but he got kicked off the team pretty early. But he still counts as part of that receiving production. But how did that hit when they didn't perform as well or what have you? But the correlation is is evident. I mean, it's it's and it's not just for Tennessee. You can do that. Other people have done this for other teams. And so the question is, can Tennessee buck the trend? As, as I wrote, the talent in, at, at the wide receiver position I don't think is going to be an issue. But I also think people just automatically saying, and this was a thing raised in multiple threads yesterday, well, D'Angelo Gibbs has been on campus. He's been catching passes. Brandon Johnson has a familiarity. He's been catching passes. He had, Brandon Johnson has caught some passes. I, I put it in, the, in, in one of the threads. He caught 16 in his big season where he had 32 catches, 16 of those receptions were from JG but just because some guys have been on campus even a guy like Cedric Tillman it's they're it's what have you done on the field that's how this stat matters Georgia and Stanford and other guys had young guys who were catching passers from Costello and from a year ago in practice but then when they had to be on the field right the timing just wasn't right there they weren't as crisp they couldn't get the separation so the question is can Tennessee buck that trend yeah I was I was I was really intrigued by the piece. I was like Rob. I was surprised it was weighted equally e- equally the way it was quarterback and wide receiver. Right. I knew the two went hand in hand. Don't get me wrong. I'm not I'm not naive enough to, but to you say thought that they there don't was more importance on. The I thought the quarterback would be more way more. Important. And I th- I thought offensive line would be a bigger deal. Sacks, yeah. and the and offensive line yards, and the offensive line is growing. The rushing yards is, is actually the least. It's at like six percent. Like basically returning running backs in the in the way that the what historical data has measured out doesn't really matter. But like Florida, for instance, they made a big jump offensively because they returned all those receivers. They returned Kyle Pitts. Felipe Franks ended up, you know, getting hurt, and they had a backup quarterback, and their offense got better. Now, was Felipe not as good, you know, or what? Sure. But they were. They, but they, they didn't have this. Conley predicted this big jump because they returned all these receivers. He predicted. No one knew that that Burrow was going to become Joe Montana, but everyone knew that <laughs> LSU returned probably one of the deepest wide receiver rooms in the country. Boom, their offense goes crazy, and, and those were just several examples I put in the piece that Conley predicted before the season, and while some want to fight the analytics, I did think some people in, in, on the GQ uh, correctly noted, as I put in the piece, you can't have it both ways. A year ago, everyone was getting excited about Tennessee because they were the darling of the analytics community after they won five games, right. and it wasn't just Conley, you know, Sagarin, FPI, of, these all, multiple back. people because Tennessee returned more bodies at, on both sides of the ball than almost any team in the country. And we'll have, you know, whether, you, whether folks thought this was a negative piece or whatever, this is just a reality piece. This is just something to keep in mind if the offense stagnates or regresses. There will be, we will have stories coming up on why the analytics are so high on Tennessee's defense because they return a lot even though they lost no, Daryl Taylor. No kidding. I saw, what was that? I saw yesterday. Top 10. I mean, what's that from? Defense. College football talk, pro football. Focus? Oh well, that, that that no, that was a there was a there was pro football focus has Tennessee, I think, in the top ten. Another one had ten, had had a weird ranking that I thought was strange. I mean, I just saw them just like, uh, projected top ten yesterday. It, you, you think that's just simply because they're bringing all the defensive linemen and their two corners back? A lot it has a lot to do with that. Yeah. I mean, because the corner weight is pretty significant in the, terms of bringing the, your corners. back. The corner is at, the corner is at, it's the corner is weighted 
basically the same as quarterback or receivers. Right. It's yeah. it's the he, it's the heavyweight deal yeah. because and, and that goes from the the idea that in, in Jeremy Pruitt's that you're playing three or four every time. Well, you, you got to play if you can play man on the outside, it frees you up to do whatever you want to do with the rest of your defense. And, you and teams are playing play and man. when teams are playing sixty five to seventy five percent nickel. Right. And Tennessee's bringing back probably one of the most experienced star nickelbacks in the country in Schamberger. Plus, you know, Bryce Thompson and Alante and Kenneth George, these guys that have played, you know, decent amount of snaps. That so that's why Tennessee's defense is in most like in Conley's thing, I think they were like eight or nine. Which is which is great. Like a top ten. Right. You know, eight or nine overall in the country, not in the SEC overall. Yeah, that the running back stuff doesn't surprise me because I think you're seeing that I think you're seeing the NFL use those analytics when it comes to free agency. Yeah. I think that's why Derrick Henry might not get a new deal with the Titans because you have a short window for those guys' production, and there's so many guys out there that you say, hey, I can take a six-round guy. I, I, can take, I can take a dude well, like, at running back and make him productive. I mean, what's Alvin Kamara making? Third-round pick. Right. And one of the you know, top five backs in the, in, in the league. Yeah. I, and I think, I think that – Roster management on the NFL level at the running back position is very much analytics related oh, as, opposed sure. to, as opposed to, quote, I got And the shelf talent. life of that position, there's, there's such a trepidation of investing money, which is why the Rams are having buyer remorse. Because Gurley was the MVP candidate oh, in that September and by November. They've screwed their whole franchise. But by November, his knee had messed up where, you know, he was done. I mean, they wrecked their franchise with one contract. Yeah. They All closed right. their Super Bowl window. All right, let's, let's talk a well, little bit about that. Well, probably two. Golf is pretty terrible. Yeah, he was. They, he they was, paid him $100 million. He was, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Times two. Um, you spent all your money in those two spots. Uh, Baylor Buchanan's tweet. Who knows what it means? AP, come on. What, who knows what it Get means? Get your flashlight out. But <laughs> Shed some light on it. But what is – if Baylor Buchanan is back, potentially, what, how big of a deal is that? It's a body. I'll it's go, better than I'll, that. Yeah, I'll go a little better than that. I mean, it's, it, it's not – it's not some – you know, superstar addition, but it's a guy that's played. I think it's competition at the nickel position, and I think for Sean Schamberger to be at his best, somebody's got to push Sean Schamberger. I don't disagree with that. That's fair. I just think Schamberger has a much higher upside. I don't disagree with that, but I, I think, I think, I think Buchanan, if he's back and if he can, is, and I don't know that he is, but let's just say the tweet was some kind of grassy knoll hint that he was coming back, if you will. I, I think that's a tough guy. Who, who competes that I think Jeremy Pruitt likes his edge about him. And I think one of Jeremy Pruitt's biggest frustrations for Schamberger has been he hasn't always had that edge. Now, I think Derek Hensley got it out of him more a year ago. But I think, I think, it's, a, I think it's important because, A, it's a body, and, B, it's a guy who can push at the nickel spot. I don't know who's the nickel. If, he's, if it's not Buchanan, who's the nickel guy behind Schamberger? That's a good question. Who's a nickel guy in the Is it a freshman? Yeah, I mean, no matter who it is, I think it's somebody that doesn't have a lot of experience. Right. So it's an experienced guy if he's back. You don't strike me as a grassy knoll type of guy, though, Hubs. Yeah, maybe not. But it could also help you if you go six DBs. You know what I'm saying? I mean, when you look at who your top six could be, you know, what do you, what do, you do there? Grassy knoll would be a good, a good handle on VolQuest. There's probably one out there. It's probably registered to somebody. I'm, some, I'm stunned that there's not. Grassy knoll vol. It's, it's there. It's available. So, the, the, the current team is working out, going in the weight room. Nothing with the football right now. I know everybody wants to know how the receiver throwing sessions How's are going. Bailey's arm look? And all Never. those things. But really, it's about not about a football right now. It's about all weight room for this team. 
and that's kind of where things stand with them. And we'll be that way until you get ready for spring practice, which will start, what, Austin, second week of March? March 9th. Yeah. March 9th, we get cranked so up. So they'll do one week, spring and then break. they'll have a week off for spring, spring break, break, and, and then, then reconvene. So that first week will be a lot of introduction stuff, get through any acclimation then period. Then will complain about how much retention or not retention they had come, come March 25th or and whatever we'll, it was. And we'll, find, and we'll find out who handles themselves from a conditioning standpoint over spring I break. I just teed you up, AP. I mean, I, you know, it, I like we did, we did last year. When, I mean, we didn't have that kind of start, stop, start, stop. I mean, I felt like I was driving through Gatlinburg. <laughs> All right, let's go to recruiting right quick. Um, it is quiet. It is it is slow. Starting to see some names show up, Austin, for, for potential junior day visitors. This Auburn basketball game, noon start, that looks like something Tennessee's trying to build around to have some kids on campus there that first weekend of March. Yeah, the, the, yeah correct. They're going to have it. As a, what's that game at, like a noon? noon? It's a noon, yeah. It's a noon. You know, so it provides you a chance for the, you know, it's, time for people to get here from North Carolina, from Middle Tennessee, from Georgia. I think that'll be the areas where Tennessee, you see Tennessee try to bring kids in from. I would venture to say they will try to see if they can get Travion Henderson down here that day. But uh, I, th I think specifically Tennessee kids, Georgia kids, North Carolina kids will be the ones that uh, you know Tennessee's trying to push to get here uh, that, that first week. And that's when we might get the formal announcement that Shelton Felton, Jimmy Brumball are on Tennessee staff. <laughs> Maybe they announce it, but they will be introduced, I'm sure. I thought Mel Tucker announced that. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think Mel Tucker did announce where Jimmy Brumball was. He took care of that um, at his um, at his little meeting there in Colorado before he, hey, last one, turn out the lights because I'm not coming back uh, meeting that he had before he took the job at Mississippi State. So we'll, we'll, we'll start to get a sense of some names. Obviously, Tennessee's out there. They've offered a few more kids. They offered a quarterback in California. Plays, which, for, plays for Clawson. Which makes the quarterback board, you know, a little bit interesting. Kind of where are they in 21? You kind of thought Christian Velalu was, was, you know, climbing up that list. And I think he has moved up that list some. But – they're still offering other guys, so I don't know that they've settled in on who kind of is their number one wish guy. I know they like May, but I, I just I'm not on the I'm not on the May camp. I just don't think that's going to happen. Um, but I know that that's one that they're still having conversations with. But it looks like there's some fluidity to that board, even though that's a board that comes clean pretty quick with guys committing early, right? Yeah, I mean, the most a lot of the big time guys are off the board. I mean, you know, Vandergrift's off the board, May's off the board. Um, Who's the kid from Texas going to Texas A&M? Stowers, he's off the board. You know, Caleb Williams is the biggest name out there, but, I mean, Tennessee's got no traction there. They can get him to campus. So, I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't look at, at Christian. Uh, as To me, he would be my number one guy. Um, but, I mean, yeah, you have to – until he's in the boat, you, you have to continue to recruit other guys. Right. I mean, the same thing with, you know, in 2022 class with Ty Simpson. You know, Ty Simpson, if you know if he wants to be in the boat, Tennessee will quit recruiting other quarterbacks. Otherwise, Tennessee will have to continue to offer right. and offer and offer. Yeah, because the, the idea that you're going to offer just one quarterback and you're going to hold out for that one guy for two years or a year and a half is, is really impossible to do. If he, or, or Brent, either one of you guys, if, if Simpson would jump in the boat early with Tennessee, Done. Would, would they not take a kid in 21? I think they're taking a quarterback in every class. Yeah, I mean, I agree, but I'm just saying. I'm just wondering, is he that now, counted? I, th I think Ty Simpson would, would scare some kids in 21. There may be some kids hesitant, but Tennessee would still take I mean, you're already talking about a class. crazy, crowded quarterback room. Harrison Bailey's a freshman. 
Well, but J- J- Jared will be gone. I, I don't. I think Mauer and good and, question, and, by the way. and you know, I think the other two are probably. You know, Somebody's leaving. Conceivably, both leave. Maybe both. Yeah, I mean, if 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 Bailey ends up being better than Trout and Mauer, yeah, I mean, why are you going to stay? Yeah, I mean, and, and and that's honestly, you know, we've already Which is seen why you probably take a quarterback in every class. Yeah, if not two, sometimes. I mean, let's face it. Let's we go back to the discussion we had to start the podcast. That's a position you already see a, 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 a greater frequency of transfers, anyways, because only one can play. Oh, it's really, it's really when the, you get that when you add that rule into effect. Man, it's you'll have to be taking one or two. I think maybe even two in every class because it's going to be such a revolving door. Yeah, you go get here. If, if go, you don't I'm win the job, you're leaving. Yeah, immediately. It's not like receiver where everybody plays or running back or defensive line. I mean, yeah, I mean that that'll be the position of greatest transfer. I think it already is. It already is, but it'll but be, I think it's magnified if the idea is you do not have to file a waiver and you can just go transfer power five to power five and be eligible. Yeah, I'm just glad Justin Fields won that hardship when he went from home in Georgia all the way to, to Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> I mean, he, and that's and look, those are part of the reasons why the discussion is out there of allowing a one-time transfer. Because you get a lawyer, you lawyer up, you get the NCAA scared of a lawsuit. Yeah, don't, he's got the same lawyer's case. And then, and then you, you know, you win an appeal, oh, you yeah, play I mean, immediately. So there, there you go. More on recruiting moving forward in the next uh, couple of weeks as we get an idea, the next week or so, we get a better idea of who's coming for unofficials, who's not coming for an unofficial, and who's on the junior board, who's coming for spring practice, and all those things. It'll be a hectic month of March. Uh, in terms of guys uh, visiting campus. Nothing new on Zach Evans. I know Instagram, he put out some picture with some Ole Miss gear, but all of that remains status quo at this point. We're yeah, going to visit, gonna gonna take visit that Florida. Visit to Florida and, and then we'll see what happens And then we'll see that. what happens after that. So and mid-March. And, and depending on what happens with him, to me, will depend on, you know, we'll determine a little bit of what happens with Chase Hayden. I think Chase will visit Tennessee at some point this spring. He will be one of the – they'll be one of the stops on his uh, – um, on his tour of schools. So, I mean, it, what happens with Zach Evans, what happens with uh, anybody else in that room, whether it's Tim Jordan or whoever, you know, to me determines whether, um, you know, Chase Hayden ends up uh, at Tennessee or not. Yeah, as a possibility or not a possibility. That'll that'll be determined over the course of probably the next six weeks or so. Hey, this crazy weather we're having, by the way, Rob Lewis is a big fan of it. You're 75 one day. It's 40 and rainy the next day. You want to turn your air conditioner on one day. You want to turn your heat on the next day. Don't forget to make sure that all your system is in great shape. That's why you need to call our friends at Blue Water Climate Control at 865-299-2290. 865-299-2290 is the way to reach them. They'll come out. They can give you a $79 safety inspection. They can give you a tune-up on your furnace. They can give you a tune-up on your air conditioner. Everything you need to get you ready for the crazy spring that will feature snowflakes and snow flurries and snow showers in the month of March. I guarantee it. That's the way it is in East Tennessee. So you want to make sure your system is in great shape. So to do that, give our friends a call at uh, Blue Water Climate Control. Be sure and give them a call and check them out. Again, if they give you a tune-up and you have an issue after the tune-up during the month of March, they're going to give you a discounted rate on that. So call them and get all the details you need or visit them online at bluewatercliminecontrol.com. All right, Rob Lewis. Um, swimming, speaking of blue waters, Tennessee basketball team swimming in the deep waters here to close out this basketball season. I don't understand the SEC. I can't figure it out. Auburn looks good. Then Auburn 
goes against Manhandled, against Missouri. Gozo. Um, Gozo. Yeah, I mean, that's a classic Conzo win late in the year after a disappointing <laughs> to get, year. To get the 4-8. You know, and just that's, that's a classic <laughs> win. Seems like Kentucky's surging a bit. Maybe a little bit of reality for LSU that they can't win every one-possession game as they have all year long. Uh, but for Tennessee, blown opportunity against South Carolina. Big one. Must win against Vanderbilt at, at home tonight. Got to get that. Can't blow another one of those. Cannot blow a home game, in my opinion, down the stretch. Got to win at home. I mean, I, I don't say blow because you're not going to be favored in a couple of those games. But I think you got to win at home, right? I mean, I, I thought this, you know, going back, we talked about it last week. You can't lose another home game. I think after after what happened at South Carolina, I mean, I, I, mean, I guess they're not technically out of the NCAA tournament right now, but I mean, any hope they have is on, it's on life support. I, mean, I, I really feel like they have to go five and one, which would put you what nineteen and twelve, and that would mean you you beat Auburn and or you beat Auburn twice or beat Kentucky on the road, which I just don't think this team can do that. I mean, if you go four four and two, eighteen and twelve, going to Nashville. I mean, what do you think, Hubbard? Yeah, I think you got to be playing Saturday afternoon. I think you got to be in the semis to have a chance. I think you. I, you, I mean, you, to, I think if you're at that record, if you're eight, if you finish eighteen and what would that be fourteen? Yeah, something like that. Eighteen that and thirteen. Eighteen and thirteen. I think you, you got to play into the week. You got to win Thursday, Friday. I, I, I think you do. Which means you beat somebody pretty but, good but Friday. Because, because the problem is you get no RPI help in your league. Well, they got no good wins. Right. They got no you got good nothing. wins. You got nothing that's helping you. I mean, if they if they go four and two to finish, they would have beaten Auburn and or Kentucky. But that's I mean that's one win out of right. thirty three games, and it's not it's not it's, awesome. Yeah, it's not enough. You know, I don't, I, I don't think that's why I think you've got to be a team. That gets into the weekend that everybody's saying. Yeah, hey, I mean, I, I, it all together. I think the more thing. realistic discussion is: Do they make the NIT? Yeah, I think that depends on what you do with the next set. Because I don't think they're not. I don't think they're winning at Rupp. I don't think they're winning at Auburn. There's two losses. You got to beat Florida at home. I, I mean, the way Florida is finally Can playing. Can you stun Arkansas on the road? No gimme. No gimme. I mean, I mean, Arkansas is definitely slumping. But, but they may get Joe back, right? Yeah, possibly. We'll see. Who do you draw in the SEC tournament? Well, I mean, I don't think Florida – I don't – Auburn lost at Missouri. I mean, I, Auburn is not a juggernaut, but this Tennessee team that we're seeing right now, I don't, I don't like their chances know. to win that game at home. Here's what's surprising me a little bit about Auburn, and, and I'll see. I'll be curious to see how they attack Tennessee. Now, Acora was out Saturday. He was. Big big loss. Was a loss to them. I thought Auburn – I think for the last couple of weeks, Auburn has gotten in the habit of settling for too many – threes without the ball ever making any kind of move through the I agree. lane. I agree I, with it. I think Auburn's at their best when they drive to the paint. And the one of the things, look, and, and I don't want to cause an uproar with Tennessee fans, Bruce Pearl's had success against Rick Barnes every time he's played against him. And part of the reason is they've been able to drive and create help defense, which is in, in turn sure. giving them a lot of open threes. That, going back to Juwan Smith and Dane Bradshaw and that crew going to Austin, Texas, and blowing Texas out. And I, I don't think they're using Austin Wiley enough. I mean, it's not an Auburn podcast, but Wiley, I mean, sometimes I think they forget they have it. Right. But but that, that's a challenge for Tennessee because I think one of the issues for Tennessee remains, can they keep the ball in front of them if somebody really attacks them? Yeah, well? and that's, I mean, and I, I love love Santiago Viscoe. Well, I mean, I think he's one of the best stories in not just the SEC, but college basketball for what he's been able to do. But, I mean, teams are, you know, teams are going after him. They're hunting on, on defense. They're hunting them. On defense. I mean, they're yeah. going after it. Uh, uh, yeah. sure. And I think that'll continue. Sure. You know, I think the other thing, too, is the Stackhouse tonight, uh, in Vanderbilt, does, does some teams play zone against Tennessee? 
because and not that maybe that you have to, but I didn't think Tennessee handled South Carolina very well that, at all. I, I think that's more of a personnel thing because I, I mean, because last year and in the or last couple of years, I mean, I, I think Rick has some oh. zone answers. Well, he, I mean, now Washington turned out to be a terrible team, but they absolutely but, destroyed that zone yes. early in the year. But I think, I mean, I think Rick historically, since he's been here, has some some counters to his zone. But I just don't think it. <laughs> I think it doesn't look as good when you have Grant Williams flashing in there <laughs> to the foul line. Well, it doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't help that Jordan Bowden's not hitting the curl at the free throw line or, either. Or you don't have Jordan Bone just blowing right. by whoever you know is is in front of him. And that, and, and man, we all talk about Lelante, and, and I'm, this is not the first time it's been mentioned. But if Jordan Bone was on this team, I don't think we're talking about struggling to make the SEC tournament, even even with Lamonte's injury. Yeah, because I, yeah, I agree because that. I, I, that's what we talked about on TV. I think Lamonte Turner would have come along slower, maybe had a chance to rehab the shoulder a little bit more. Maybe you don't get as bad early because you've got bone, and then all of a sudden maybe Lamonte is well, here for the back stretch. Of I mean, the I think schedule. they've beaten Texas A and M. I think they they win right, South even Carolina. Even if you don't have him, even if he's in street clothes for all year, I'm with you. I think I think having a point guard, I think having bone, you, you beat. You, you got those two more there's wins. There's 16-9, 8-4 in the league, right? Yeah, and there's, it's a different Minimum. conversation. Minimum. And somebody that can create their own shot. And I think that's what, that, that was the problem down the stretch of that game Saturday, the, the last three and a half minutes. Who was going to make I mean, a play? I mean, I, I mean you're, you're asking Vescovi to, who, to, to, go, to go. I mean, he's you're playing him the ball. Six weeks say, of hey. college basketball. Right. That tells you all you need to know about this Tennessee basketball team. Right. When you're Frank saying, hey, Martin your looked at that team, called a timeout, and drew up. You know, got his clipboard out and said, "Hey, this kid that got that was in Uruguay for Christmas, we're going to face guard. We're going to face guard him and not let him get the ball." And your senior, I mean, I love him. I mean, I've said this on the board, I've said it on the radio, everything. Jordan Bowden, big, big, big fan. Great kid, high character, great teammate. But your senior, who has played, I mean, by the time he gets done here, he's going to play the. Even if Tennessee doesn't play a postseason game, he's going to play the third most games in history of anybody in the program. He didn't want it. Yeah. I mean, he didn't want it yeah. at all. Yeah. 20, being, 28 being, seconds left in the game. Being the number one option is, is he not something it. he's been comfortable with all year long. And that's what you wanted about the preseason. Last thing about basketball, on a positive note, has John Fulkerson figured it out? I mean, Golly, is, this, is this – I'm not saying he's going to go career high every night, but is, yes. are we getting to the consistency – where Fulkerson is legitimately a potential double-double guy. I every think night. he is. I mean, I mean it's not. I mean, there are going to be some matchups that are more problematic than others. And South Carolina is not the best front line out there. But that that being said, I, when the, I never once thought that I would sit in an SEC arena and watch John Fulkerson score twenty-five points ever. <laughs> you know, when he, when he walked on campus here. I mean, I've excuse me. <clears throat> I've always liked him better than others and appreciate what he brings to the table as a, as a guy that can But he was you. a compliment. Yeah. Guy, not the, I not never, a, not a ever, guy. ever thought that he could be your number one option. And, and granted, he's probably not your, you know, he's probably not, it's probably not a great thing that he's your number one option, but he is your number one. I mean, I just never thought that he could, I mean, he scored 25, 22, 18 points. Set, he set a career high in points three times in the last six games. Yeah. Is cert- certainly starting to f- at least figure out how to get open. I mean, to, and I tell you, and I wrote this yesterday. He can, he's a chance to be an all-conference player next year as a senior. I'm not saying. Don't you think I'm, he'll be second or third team yeah, this year? I'm not saying it'll happen, but he's got a chance. I mean, which, which is incredible. 
It's a credit, it's and a I credit you, to his development. And, it, and I, I think it bodes great for next year. Great. He, I don't think he'll be the best. He won't be the most talented player on the team. If Pons is back, and I don't think I, I think there's more of a risk that some European team comes in and takes Pons, throws money at Pons, and there is that he leaves to be a second round draft pick. And and, and for G, one of the reasons I think that is because I don't know how many people know this, but he's married. I mean, he's you know I think he maybe he, he's he's a lot more mature and you know maybe ready to get on with his life than than a lot of other guys that are juniors in college. But um, in any event, Tennessee's going to add a lot of talent next year, but those things always work better when you've got some veterans sprinkled into the mix. Yeah. And and, and, and Fulkerson is going to be that. Well, and he's a guy that you know you're going to get maximum effort, and now he's producing to go with that effort more than he ever has. So uh, for Tennessee right now, it's about can they win their games at home and, and can they ensure themselves a trip to the NIT and maybe pull off some kind of miracle uh, through the rest of this regular season and the postseason to put themselves in a position to be in the NCAA tournament. It starts tonight. They've got to take care of business at home against Vanderbilt. That's going to do it for this edition of the Blue Water Climate Control VolQuest.com podcast. For Rob Lewis, Austin Price, and Jesse Simpton, I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody.